Hi, I'm Larry Gifford. I have Parkinson's disease. This is when life gives you Parkinson's. For the month of April, Parkinson's Awareness Month, we're releasing one episode each week. As we continue our third season focus around advocacy, we're talking with author, blogger of PDYs, and professor Alan Cole. I am attempting something new this episode. We're going to start with my interview of Alan, and then halfway through, Alan will interview me. You can see the video of Alan's interrogation on his blog site, pdwise.com. Alan's 53. He was diagnosed with Parkinson's nearly five years ago. He and his wife have two teenage daughters, and they're coming up on their 30th wedding anniversary. Alan's a professor and academic dean in the Steve Hicks School of Social Work at the University of Texas at Austin. He's just out with a new book called Counseling Persons with Parkinson's Disease. I started our conversation asking about the new book. It's written from a sort of dual perspective as one who has for many years been a, a teacher or educator of counselor types, uh, and uh, more recently as one who is living with Parkinson's, and the book is really sort of, you know, half memoir and, and half sort of professional guidebook that um, is written not only for professional counselors, but really for, you know, care partners and friends and family members who uh, support those of us who, who live with Parkinson's. What inspired you to write a book? Well, I tell people, you know, I don't play golf, and so I need to do something with my time. And, and you know, I've always written a lot, you know, as, as an academic and just someone who likes words and, and, and you know, metaphors and images and scenes and, and someone who just tries to sort of contribute in that way. I also say to people, I, I write so that I know what I think and feel. And, and so that's, that's part of it too, sort of getting it out, externalizing it, and then, you know, understanding it in some new kinds of ways. But, you know, Larry, I thought, again, this is something I could do to contribute to the, to the community. Um, you know, we, we, we all have to find ways to make meaning with a disease like Parkinson's, I think. And, and part of my meaning making is, you know, trying to use it for good and, and for something constructive. Um, that affects people's lives in a positive way. And, and, and you know, one of the opportunities I have by virtue of my experience and my interests and my, and my platform is, is to write books and blog posts and other kinds of, you know, things that, that hopefully people can read and think about and talk about and live better because of. So this is great because I love it because uh, anytime you can tap into your superpower, which yours is teaching people how to be counselors uh, and then apply it to your disease uh, is, is a win. That's uh, what the PD Avengers are all about is you yeah. bring what, your strength to the table. Like not everybody has that power, that, that talent. Um, so what is it about what you've learned through all these years of being a professor that then you can now apply to living with Parkinson's? Yeah, well, you know, as I, I say in the book, and as I say to many people when I talk about this, um, you know, candidly, I was I was really good, I think, at, at helping counselor types, um, A, sort of identify their own experiences and feelings, and B, to help, you know, those that they're working with to do that. And, um, you know, wasn't terribly accomplished at doing that myself, right? So I was sort of the, the expert who could sort of advise, but not often integrate a lot of that into my own life. And, you know, having Parkinson's has sort of forced me to do that. And um, as I talk about in the book, the, the first almost year of, of life after that diagnosis was a very uh, difficult time. I was 
uh, basically private about it. I mean, my wife and my, my doctors and two or three people very close to me knew about it. My children didn't know. My parents didn't know. Most of my network didn't know. Um, and, and sort of that, so, um, sort of coming out of that, that painful experience and doing sort of a, an assessment, which, you know, happens with this kind of experience, I decided that, well, maybe I have an opportunity to, to be not only a better sort of educator and, and mentor to students who are going to be working with folks with Parkinson's and lots of other, you know, challenges in life, but, you know, how, how might I model that better and lead with that better by virtue of uh, being more open and being more vulnerable, being more candid, honest, publicly uh, about about this experience. And what I've found is that, that it's not only helped me, but it's been an invitation for others to, to you know, start down their path or continue down their path in, in similar kinds of ways. And in business, corporations, schools, media, empathetic leadership is like the new thing. Yeah. So now we, we were just given a little uh, head start. That's right. We're, we're early adopters, as they, as they say. <laughs> when we talk about empathetic leadership, what's that mean to you? Well, again, I think it means modeling sort of, you know, what, what you, you say, or at least I said, was, was best in leadership and, in, frankly, being, being a human in community, right? We, uh, we want connections. We want, um, you know, an ability to, to be authentic and to uh, bring our best selves, but also to be vulnerable enough to, to you know, identify when we're not our best self or when we're, when we're struggling. And, you know, I, I think whether that's in the workplace or, you know, in other circles that we, that we roam in, um, you know, my own opinion is that there's not enough of that in the world that we, you know, we sort of all present ourselves as tidied up versions and, you know, having it more or less all together. Uh, most of us don't have it all together, or if we do, we won't have it all together for very long. And I, I think leaders who can sort of embody that in the, in the best sense and invite those they lead to do the same, I think makes for a, a better organization or a better community, um, more connected, more loyal, more willing to advocate for one another, support one another, and, and therefore, you know, a better ability to meet our respective missions, whatever they, they may be. What has been the, 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 the biggest personal challenge to you due to Parkinson's? Well, for me so far, you know, it hasn't been physical in nature as much as, as it has been emotional. And I, I think, um, you know, a lot of my struggle early on was sort of getting clear about my identity as a, as a person now living with a chronic illness that progresses over time and that is um, not terribly understood by the masses, right? I, I talk a lot in the book and in other places about, you know, the misperceptions that are often in play with Parkinson's and other kinds of chronic illnesses and challenges, mental health issues, et cetera. Um, and so I had to get comfortable with that and, um, you know, realize that, that, that I could still do what I've always done, maybe in some ways better than I've always done them, and I'm going to be facing challenges that along the way are going to, you know, make it harder to, harder to do certain things and that, that both and are okay, right? And, and to the extent that I can sort of integrate that and, and be, you know, open about it, um, the better I'm going to do and, and hopefully those around me are going to do better as well. We're both parents of kids that are, my, my kid's preteen, but your kids are, are a little older and you've 
been married just a little bit longer. We've been married 22 years. Yeah. Uh, but long-term marriages, kids, what are the conversations like with your family, like either at the dinner table or you and your wife when you're you know, laying down at night? Like, what do you talk about? Yeah, great questions. You know, as I've talked about on my blog and, and also in the book, you know, the, the two hardest conversations I ever had were, were telling my parents first and then telling my children shortly thereafter, who were 10 and 8 at the time. Now they're, they're 15 and 13. And, you know, my, my fears were that I was not going to be able to be the father to them that I wanted to be, that, you know, plans that we had made that, you know, most parents make might be in need of altering or uh, revisited in some way. Um, and, and so, you know, trying to sort of get through those fears was, was very difficult in the beginning. You know, now um, with, with my children, we, we talk about Parkinson's when we need to. They've really gotten, you know, sort of on board with being advocates and, and educators. You know, both of my daughters in school have done, you know, science projects on Parkinson's and other kinds of you know, uh, community service around Parkinson's. And so it's really become a part of our, our family practice and our family identity. But, but it doesn't, um, you, you know, it doesn't sort of absorb everything we do as a family. It's not always front and center. We talk about it when we need to. And most of the time we, we talk about the things that we always talked about before Parkinson's, you know, what, what's going on in school and friendships and summer vacation and, you know, piano and, you know, dance and, you know, all the things that, that my kids are interested in. And, you know, with my wife, um, you, you know, who's an extraordinary person and, you know, very early on was much more positive about this than I was and much more sort of, you know, we've got this and um, we're going to, you know, do something good with this and really encouraging me to live into that. Um, you know, we're, we're, we talk about it, but but we don't worry so much about the future. We feel like, you know, we will meet the challenges we need to meet and that we'll do it together. And, um, you know, Parkinson's be damned. We're going to, we're going to have a good life as we, as we'd always planned. So, and I think, you know, I'm very fortunate in that regard. Um, Tracy, you know, had a lot of experience with Parkinson's as a geriatric social worker professionally before we had it. Um, you know, she was, again, much more sort of grounded early on than I was and, and kind of brought me along in those early weeks and months. And so we, uh, we talk about it when we need to. We all laugh about it, and it may sound, you know, strange, but we, you know, we've made it uh, something that we can laugh about, you know, some of the challenges and quirkiness of Parkinson's and, um, you know, all of that. And, um, and I think for us, that's healthy, and, and it reflects who we are as a family. As you go through life with Parkinson's, and I'm sure you're like me, and you read a lot of articles, and you you learn about like who knew about Paraquat, you know, like before Parkinson's, I've I would never even heard of it, you know. Yeah. Um, what's been the most surprising thing that you've learned about it, or quirky thing, or like just so like really like what 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 sort of made you pull back from a book or a, an article and go, I had no idea. Yeah. Well, early on, I really had no idea about the heterogeneity of the disease, right? We, we talk about it being a snowflake disease or a disease of one. I, I had no idea that it presents so differently across people and its rates of progression differ. And it's really more of a sort of cluster of disease processes, we think, now than sort of one single thing. So, you know, on the, on the medical side, that, you know, that was a big surprise 
Um, yeah, another is just how, and you've, you've talked about this in your own work, how extraordinary people with Parkinson's are and, and the people around those who have Parkinson's are. And I never would have imagined, Larry, meeting people like you and, you know, people I've met through various organizations that we're both a part of who are, you know, extraordinary people doing extraordinary things um, and also ordinary people doing ordinary things and who are grinding it out and who are doing it in solidarity with each other and uh, who, are, who are making meaning and who are living their lives. And so I never would have known that had I not gone down this, this uh, road, begun this journey. Um, and, and, and I'm grateful for that. And, and maybe the final piece, and this is really important, is um, you know, how, how bright the future looks for, for Parkinson's research and those of us who are dependent upon that. Um, like you, I, I know a lot of people in the medical community. I, um, you know, I have a, a courtesy appointment in the medical school at, at, at Dell at UT, and I'm around a lot of docs who know a lot more about this than I ever will. And they're straight shooters, and they say, you know, Alan, we're close. And, um, you know, in the next decade or so, there are going to be some real game-changing, you know, therapies and biomarkers and other things that help us get out in front of this and, and stop it and maybe even reverse some of its effects. And, you know, I don't, I don't live my life dependent upon that for happiness and joy, um, but I believe it because people I trust are saying it. And I never would have known that had it not been for the, the people around me that, that, that I've met because of this experience with, with this disease. Yeah, I, I think one of the shockers for me, <laughs> so uh, the day I was diagnosed, uh, my wife and I went home and we were like, well, let's just put a movie on. And we put Awakenings on with Robin Williams. <laughs> Yeah, which is which is actually the story of how they discovered Levodopa. Yeah, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, <laughs> like this was a horrible movie for me to be watching. Yeah, but the idea that Levodopa was discovered so long ago and it's still the best option we have is shocking to me. Yeah, and and it's great that we have it, right? I mean, I'm oh, yeah. on it. You're on it. You know, as my doc said, everybody eventually goes on it, and it's wonderful. And yet, it has its limits. Um, you know, it, it causes side effects that, that can be their own problem to manage. And yeah, you would think we would have something better just by virtue of the, the time that's passed since that was discovered, you know, decades ago. And um, again, back to the sort of urgency of, of advocacy and, and funding and, you know, the hard bench science and, and trials and all the things that have to happen uh, that get us closer to that new breakthrough treatment and something that goes along with carbidopa, levodopa, or uh, maybe uh, makes it obsolete because it's better. We, we need that. Yeah, for sure. Um, how do your students react? Yeah, you know, great question. I mean, I, I had class this morning before, uh, before our conversation now, and, um, you know, they're, they're great. Uh, I mean, people are great for the most part, and um, I, I think I try to I try to sort of put it out there in the beginning and, and, you know, so people aren't guessing or wondering, you know, like you, I'm very public. And so if you do any kind of search of me, you know, lots of Parkinson's things are going to come up. It's on my bio on, on my school website. And so I just try to name the elephant in the room, as we often say in counseling circles and, you know, invite conversation around it. And then, 
um, move on and do what we do. And, and if there's ties back to it, make them and make it a, an opportunity for learning. Um, again, as a way of hopefully modeling what I, 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 I try to tell students is important about authenticity and, you know, building resilience in the face of adversity and the things that I've taught about for, for decades and written about for decades and really believe in my DNA are, are sort of core human values, um, trying to, to set a tone for, for modeling that and, and for talking about it when we need to. But they're great. My, you know, our students are great. And, you know, I learn from them as much uh, as they learn from me, I'm, I'm sure, if not more. You know, I find my uh, colleagues and my em- employees, when they come across an article about Parkinson's, they send it to me. Yeah. I, I may have seen it and I may get 50 copies of it, but I'm okay yeah. with that because it knows that they're thinking about me. Yeah. I, I have those experiences too. And, and again, it's that sort of solidarity piece that, you know, I mean, Parkinson's is hard. You know, it, it has its moments that are really hard. And the, the longer you live with it, the harder it gets. It, it doesn't it doesn't get better, I, I tell people, right? Um, we can manage it for a long time well. We are getting better at that. There are things we can do to, to slow it down with exercise and other lifestyle things. But it, you know, it progresses and it gets harder. And I think, you know, knowing that people are thinking about you and, and taking the time to send you a note or um, an email or an article or whatever is, is really, really meaningful. And I know for you, too, um, having people who treat us like they've always treated us, those same people who send us articles are also the people who, you know, we go out and have a beer with and it's right. like it's always been. That's, that's really, really important, too. And I think, you know, for me, just to reach back for a moment, um, you know, worries about being pitied or being treated differently early on were, were really painful. None of that has come to pass, by the way. And, um, you know, really none of my fears have, 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 you know, been realized. Just the opposite has happened. People have been extraordinary. Um, and little, little gestures like that really remind me of that. So uh, I've got uh, two, two more questions. Number one, is your wife and, are your wife and kids signed up to be PD Avengers? Not yet, but they, uh, they will be. When we wrap, they will be. And what about, how many of your students are PD Avengers? Um, duly noted, Larry. There, more of them will be. Uh, okay, there we go. Yeah. That's How's that for an answer? Yeah. This, is, this, is, this is about making connections and pulling yeah. people into it. Well, and, and candidly, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it because I, I didn't know until we talked you know, earlier today um, about sort of how open membership in that group you know, is I, I'm a member, um, want to be a more active member, and um, now I know that others can join the cause, and I'm 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 yeah, I'm, it. I'm on it. it. Takes, it's going to take everybody. Yeah, I'm we on it. Do this by ourselves. Yeah, well done. Yeah, so let's let's pull everybody into it. We need the energy of those college kids. Yeah, well, they have energy. So do so do uh, adolescent. Yes. Uh, Young women. So. And that generation actually is going to be really critical because I mean, yeah. if you think about uh, Parkinson's is going to double uh, from 10 million to 20 million, let's say by 2040. That's right. And that's only uh, 19 years away. So most of the people that are going to be diagnosed are already alive. They're living with it. They don't even know it. That's right. Uh, and the people that are going to be caring for those people are right now 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. That's uh, right. Because in 19 years, they'll be in their mid thirties and their parents will be getting Parkinson's and they'll be like, 
what the hell is this? So they yeah. should be advocating harder than anybody because it's going to take away from their lifestyle because they're going to have to take care of their parents instead of living out their 30s and 40s. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned all of that because it's, it's vitally important. It's sobering, but it's also sort of a call to arms and a, and a charge to, to take up the cause. So I, I appreciate that very much. Well, and uh, thank you for uh, being such a great advocate for your blog and for writing the book. And the book is available now at Amazon and everywhere you buy books. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Oxford University Press, anywhere you, you buy like books. Like a real book. Like, this, is not, we're not, this is not like a Larry book. <laughs> this is a real book. Well, I, ho I, hope it, I hope it gets in a lot of hands and, and ultimately that it's helpful. That's, that's the purpose in writing it. And, um, you know, the book is featured along with a lot of other things on, on my blog, which is pdwise.com, pdwise.com. For part two of the conversation, we swap sides. Alan takes over as the interviewer and I become the interviewee. It's my great pleasure to welcome to PDY's Larry Gifford. Larry hosts the podcast, When Life Gives You Parkinson. Larry also hosts the Michael J. Fox Foundation's Parkinson's podcast, as well as serving on the foundation's patient council. More recently, he founded the Parkinson's advocacy group called PD Avengers, which we will talk about today. And he's an ambassador for the 2022 World Parkinson Congress which will meet in Barcelona, Spain. Uh, Larry is also the National Director of Talk Radio for Chorus Entertainment in Canada. And so we're reversing roles today and uh, I am uh, interviewing the expert on interviewing. So Larry, welcome to PDYs. It's a thrill to have you. Uh, we look forward to, to talking with you today. Alan, thank you. It's a great pleasure. And thanks for all the advocacy work that you do. It's my, my pleasure, Larry. Let, let's start with sort of the beginning. Uh, for those who don't know, what is it like to live with Parkinson's disease? Uh, it's kind of like um, if you've ever been to an uh, amusement park uh, and you've gone down like the, 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 the gaming aisle and you do whack-a-mole, uh, you wake up every day and it feels like there's a different symptom that you're trying to figure out how to, how to knock down. Um, it, it, it's... It, 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 you learn to live in the moment because you cannot predict what you're going to be like at any given time. Uh, you can manage your meds. So you kind of know when your ons and offs are going to be, but really it's, it's about uh, learning how to um, say no to things, learning how to, um, to not feel guilty that you are not able to do something that you've promised you're able to do. It, it's, it can be a frustrating, exhausting, uh, painful, uh, both emotionally and physically. Um, and, um, and it really challenges you to look internally uh, at what, what, what your purpose is. What, why yeah. did I get this disease? Why, why me? Why now? Why? 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 Yeah. Um, and uh, so it, for, for me, it's, it it's continues to be a very uh, internal journey, uh, but one that affects everybody I touch um, in one way or the other, whether it impacts my family because they've had to adjust around me and, and um, you know, sometimes we make plans that we have to cancel or I can't do everything that uh, all the dads can do. Yeah. Um, I can't, you know, 
you 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 have to work through that and then and then work and friends and like so it's 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 a full-time job managing parkinson's yeah yeah i i hear you on on all of that and um you know day-to-day moment-to-moment is not predictable right as you're as you're saying you never quite know which which mole is going to be bearing its head at the uh at the moment um, so, so let's stay on on that topic for a moment. What what do you do in light of those challenges to, you know, take care of yourself, uh, to manage the many responsibilities you have, family wise, professionally? Uh, one of the things I and many others, you know, admire about you is you're you're as busy as you've ever been doing meaningful things. But uh, presumably that gets more challenging over time for for most people on this road. So how do you how do you manage all of that? Well, it's hard. Uh, I, I actually, for the uh, WPC virtual uh, Congress coming up, they had me speak on work-life balance, and I thought they were joking. Uh, <laughs> but um, what, what I've come to realize is that it's balance is not something that you can buy at like Staples, pull it off the shelf and go, I'll have some work-life balance here. And it's not anything that anybody can give you. Your employer can't give you work-life balance. You have to make it. Uh, and it's not something that you attain and you stay there. It's fleeting. So you're looking for these moments of balance in your life. Uh, and sometimes it's about quality of time versus quantity of time. So um, it, so you have to figure out what are the important things in your life. And so uh, I, 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 I've, I was going through, I, I keep a lot of notes and I have sort of a journal and stuff. And I go back and I look through it every now and again because there's actually – Actually, there's some wisdom in there <laughs> if you look back on your life. Yeah. Um, and in 2019, I wrote a journal entry called um, The uh, Things to, to Change in My Life to Simplify and to, to, to Be More um, uh, in the Moment. And um, I, I, I realized I was not prioritizing the things that I thought were important. So up the top was me and my health. And that was the thing that was the bottom of the list. I was doing all these other things. Yeah. I've really had to prioritize. Okay. So I need to make sure that first and foremost, I'm healthy uh, and that I'm being taken care of and nourished and, and, and and then my family um, and then my work, because that's important to support all of, all of us and then my advocacy. Um, And so, um, making that list and then making sure that it's in balance. And there's like this month is April awareness month. So Parkinson's awareness month. So it's skewed, but I know that. And then it'll, so it's sort of going back and forth and making sure that you're saying no to things that you can't do in the moment, but maybe I can do it in two months or maybe I can do something else down the line. Yeah. It was hard to say no to people. Cause I want, I want to say yes. I'm a yes guy. But if you're going to be in balance, you actually have to say no as many times as you say yes. Yeah. And, and learning sort of that discernment, I think, is, is really, really key. Um, I, I mentioned at the outset, you're the national director of talk radio at Chorus. That's a um, you know, demanding job, to say the least, and, and requires you to be on uh, a lot of the time, I suspect. And you know, just for, for a moment, if I can reflect personally, when, when I was not long after I was diagnosed and still really pretty private about it. I, you know, I, I found your podcast and you, you, you had a guest on and I don't remember who she was, but she was a, a close co- uh, colleague or coworker. 
and you were talking very frankly with her and she with you about sort of, you know, your shared experience of, of work after your diagnosis. And I was really compelled by that. And I know, as you know, that, that many, you know, folks, particularly young onset folks really struggle with sort of the professional piece and how to manage that. Um, do, do you recall any of that conversation and just sort of what, what the tenor of that was that, that, that might be helpful to recall? Yeah. I mean, I, so I, 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 w- I really wanted to explore that too, because it's really, it's, it's a, it's a scary area for a lot of people. I mean, the, the, when you get the diagnosis for Parkinson's, you're like, am I going to be able to work? Is my work going to want to continue to employ me? And, you know, do you want somebody running the national, uh, you know, talk radio product who has a degenerative brain disease? <laughs> it's not really something yeah. that you want to put on your LinkedIn profile. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Touche. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but, but I, I, I've been very fortunate, and uh, I've, I, my my boss's boss uh, had uh, cancer um, at, at an early age, and uh, the company you know worked with him during his you know cancer treatments and whatnot. And he's very much an advocate now for bladder cancer and whatnot. So I felt very comfortable going to him and saying, "Listen, I got this issue that we're dealing with, and we think it's." You know, I don't have an official diagnosis yet, but this is what's happening. And so I brought them in way early and they've been so kind to me uh, that I think that my experience is different than other people's. And I know other people have been fired from their jobs when they yeah. become clear. And so you really have to, uh, you don't owe it to your employer to tell them anything. Um, you should, if you have questions, you should consult an employment lawyer. Uh, and I'm not an employment lawyer, but there there are many out there that will be happy to give you that advice. There's great advice online, um, and, and it, it is uh, for me. Uh, it's been really interesting doing the podcast and the company then distributing the podcast, right. and being a supporter of my advocacy, and allowing me to do that on company time, and and, and so so they they are not just allowing me to work; they are they are supporting me in this journey, which is terrific. And so everybody knows I have Parkinson's at the office. Um, And so it's interesting to talk to them about how that impacts our relationships and how maybe perceptions. And and Nikki uh, was my co-host for a long time. And she and I would talk about that quite often. And she's like, you know, if I didn't know, I wouldn't know. Yeah. Because, and and I think that, you know, my inner my inner uh, tremor is really noticeable or like a, my, my lack of word recall is really noticeable or, you know, I get embarrassed if I forget somebody's name. Uh, like I can't recall it right away, but people are like, I, I, I wouldn't know you have Parkinson's unless you told me or unless, you know, I, you know, so oftentimes I'm, I'm on walking poles and people are like, Hey, what's going on? You okay? You know? Uh, and that's how they would know. But, you know, I think we're very super, conscious of what's happening to our bodies because we can feel every twitch. Yeah. Most people don't notice. Yeah. And I think that probably is a, is a tribute as well to, to you're not letting Parkinson's define you. It's part of your life and, and a, you know, has a, a great effect on a lot of things, as you said, but it's not all of who you are or what you bring to any, you know, community or relationship or in this case, you know, job. So I think, I think that's great on all, on all of those accounts. Um, Let's stay with your with your podcast. When life gives you Parkinson's, I, I mentioned it was a great resource for me. 
early on and, and continues to be. I always look forward to uh, what drops next. But you know, tell us about how that came into to being and sort of what you do for folks who are not familiar and, and sure. uh, the audiences you reach. Yeah. So when Life Gives You Parkinson's was born out of sort of my coming out story. So I came out on World Parkinson's Awareness Day 2017, or 2018 rather. Uh, so the year after I was diagnosed. Um, and I had been listening to the Michael J. Fox podcast and Ray Dorsey was on there. And he yeah. said, if people with Parkinson's don't start sharing their stories, we'll never raise enough awareness to do enough research to get a, to, 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 to find a cure for this. So I thought, well, I'm a storyteller and I've got access to radio and TV stations, and a huge web platform and a podcast platform. I've been doing it for 30 years. And if I'm not going to tell my story, I can't expect anybody else to tell their story. So we're all just going to be stuck. So um, I came out and had like announced on TV uh, that I had Parkinson's as part of our uh, Parkinson's awareness coverage and uh, and radio and across the country. And then as part of that, we rolled out online like a 20 minute documentary of, of sort of what it's like to have Parkinson's. Um, and people loved it. And they asked for more. And so that fall, we we launched the uh, the podcast, um, and it's been growing ever since. Um, you know, we are um, we have about three thousand subscribers. We were approaching three hundred thousand downloads over the course of three years. Uh, and each year seems to have a different theme. So the first year was all about you know sort of the, the, the diagnosis journey and understanding how Parkinson's might impact my life. And the second year was more about be from becoming sort of a, a victim to becoming a, uh, to owning the disease and how you, how you do that. And uh, whether it's through humor or whether it's through exercise and fundraising or whatever. And, and then really this season has been about becoming a, a leader uh, of advocacy. Um, and so we're really the advocacy is really uh, sort of the through line of this season. Yeah. Well, it's great. Keep doing it. I mean, I, I, I learn something every time I, I listen and, um, you know, I, I, we would be poor without uh, uh -huh. your, your voice and those of your guests in the, in the conversation. And you mentioned Ray Dorsey, uh, fabulous human, you know, Ray's a, a movement disorder specialist and a researcher at the university of Rochester. And uh, I know he's, he's been involved with you in some, some other efforts too. And, and so maybe let's, let's move to PD Avengers. Tell us, sure. Tell us what that's about. Well, so that's, that also was inspired by Ray and uh, Michael Oaken and Boz Bloom and, and, and Todd Scherer, who wrote the book uh, Ending Parkinson's Disease. Yeah. Uh, when that came out last year, I, I got together a group of folks on Zoom, um, about 12 of us, um, and we started talking about the book and did we agree with the book? And it's kind of like a book club, but, um, and these were people all, all over the world most of them had Parkinson's or were partners or were leaders of organizations. And, um, and we probably met for five weeks in a row talking about the book and what, what we agreed with, what we didn't agree with. We had the, all, all we talked to all four of the authors uh, in, in our little group sessions and they were very generous with their time. And then we realized at one point, um, and it was probably when Boz was there because he's really passionate about it. He goes, we need action. This is a prescription for action. You're just talking about it. Yeah. Um, and so we're like, oh, yeah, probably we ought to do something. <laughs> um, 
And the first time we'd met, somebody joked that it felt like a, a convention of superheroes because everybody was blind copied on the invite. So nobody knew who was going to be there. And so they're showing up, looking around, going, oh, that's great. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and sort of seeing your Twitter feed come to life in front of you. Um, and um, so somebody said, yeah, hey, we're like the Avengers. And somebody else said, no, we're like the PD Avengers. And that was like the first meeting. And so that's what we kind of called it in our, in our outlook, uh, not ever thinking that it would be an organization. And then when we realized we wanted to really become an, you know, a, an advocacy coalition, um, we couldn't think of a better name or a more unique name or, or something that would stand out yeah. and, and, and really be memorable amongst all these other organizations. And we wanted it to, we didn't want it to feel like corporate. Right. Because it's a patient led organization. So the PD Avengers, uh, we, we really worked hard on really trying to hone what we were going to do and what we weren't going to do. We're, we're not a fundraising organization. There's, there's a bunch of those. Right. Uh, so we'll never ask for our members to fundraise. It's free to, to sign up. It's for everybody. It's not just for people with Parkinson's and partners, but it's for doctors, neurologists, you know, pharmacists, uh, researchers. We need everybody, family members. Uh, we, we have, uh, we, we have, uh, what is it? The, the, uh, the raccoon from uh, the world Parkinson Congress. He, it's a member of the uh, yeah. PD Avengers. Uh, anybody who does advocacy work uh, can be a part of there, whether it's big or small, uh, because with numbers, uh, we have power. We have a bigger voice. Uh, and in addition to like individual people signing up and saying, yeah, I stand behind your pillars of wellness and advocacy and research, um, we also have engaged uh, NGOs and, and, and organizations that are focused on Parkinson's, uh, you know, making life better for people with Parkinson's or organizations that do research around Parkinson's, organizations that do wellness around Parkinson's, everybody from the Michael J. Fox Foundation and the Finney Foundation and, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, to the Parkinson's UK and the Cure Parkinson's Trust. I, we just, this just today, we now have the Parkinson's Disease Association of Slovenia. So <laughs> we That's have great. over 50 organizations worldwide and we have uh, 3,000 members from over 62 countries. Just, I mean, really amazing and, and sort of it's still its inception. I mean, it's not very old. And um, I think, again, another tribute to your ability to connect people. When I think of you, I think of someone who's a connector. and um, That's my you know, superpower. That's what I bring to the table. Yeah. And I think to Ray's point and, and Boss's, you, you know, uh, sort of charge, I think that's really what's needed more and more is, is connection. Uh, can you talk briefly about the, the current sort of campaign with, um, you know, contacting Congress people and, and that sure. sort of thing? Yeah, we have a couple campaigns going on. There's the red letter campaign that goes to the end of the month for in the U.S. Uh, the red letter campaign is designed to uh, bring attention to the needs of people with Parkinson's to the White House. Uh, so we are sending actual red letters envelopes uh, wow. to the White House post office. So uh, we've now sent 25,000. So they're stacking up at some point. Uh, hopefully, uh, President Biden will walk by and go, what the hell is that? <laughs> um, and, uh, and read it. Uh, we yeah. are asking for three things. Uh, we are asking for the Medicare exceptions uh, and uh, for telemedicine during COVID to become permanent. So there's permanent coverage of telemedicine. We're asking for uh, the Paraquat and the trichloroethylene and other 
chemicals that are linked to the increased uh, onset of Parkinson's to be banned. And we are asking the government to increase their research dollars by tenfold um, in the coming budgets. Uh, right now, they're spending about $240 million a year on Parkinson's research at the federal level um, and the in the US. And in the US, the annual financial burden for treating people with Parkinson's is $56 billion. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so if you go to endingpd.org, endingpd.org, you can order these red envelopes. We'd like to get 100,000 by the end of the month. The other campaign we have going on right now is I've, I've, I've sent a letter to the United Nations, to the Secretary General and to the President of the General Assembly, and we've encouraged others to send to their uh, ambassadors. Uh, the United Nations currently does not observe a World Parkinson's Day or a World Parkinson's Awareness Week. Uh, although the WHO, which is associated with the UN, has determined that Parkinson's disease is a priority, one of the top five priority in the world, and there's not even a, a dedicated page on their websites for it. Yeah. So uh, I've sent this uh, very kind letter asking them to observe World Parkinson's Day and World Parkinson's Week. And then we're getting that reinforced from the UK, one from the Canary Islands, one from Kenya, one from like they're coming from all over the world to the ambassadors. And so we're really hoping that can get done. So you can look up your ambassador on Google or whatever and, and send it to their attention at the UN in New York. And uh, hopefully um, you can even email them if you want. Their email addresses are usually very available. Uh, and uh, if you need a copy of that letter, you can go to pdavengers.com and then uh, slash blog, and it'll you'll you'll be able to scroll down and see our our letter, and you can use that as a template. And I'll be sure to put those links, um, you know, on on the uh, uh, at the end of the interview, and we when we post it. So thank you for all of that. And and, and again, Alan, let me just tell you, the yeah. red letter campaign won't end there. It's just going to go to different countries. So That's great. in June, we're going to be focusing on the red letter campaign in Canada. And then we're working with other countries around the world. So when there is that need, we can activate that red letter campaign. Well, again, just thank you and, and, and wonderful to hear about this. And I, I hope everybody will get involved in, in the ways that they can. I think it's really, really important message. And your three things you're asking for seem you know, quite reasonable and, and timely. So, you know, thank you for that. Um, what gives you hope, Larry, as you live this life and, you know, enjoy the moment and the present, but also as you look ahead? You know, um, I see, um, I, I talk to a lot of people. I talk to a lot of leaders of organizations. I talk to a lot of researchers. And I see Parkinson's becoming um, less of a um, – till death do us part disease. Mm. Um, and I think in the next 10 to 15 years, uh, we're going to be able to um, have a biomarker that will allow us to identify people with Parkinson's before the onset of symptoms, and we will be able to stop it. Mm. Uh, and that's based on just a lot of conversations I've had. Nobody's promised me anything, but just yeah. from the conversations I have had, that seems like a reasonable time frame. Now that's, you know, in 15 years, I'm not going to be great, but I, I'm not in it for me. Um, and so what gives me hope is that there's so many people that are working on it right now um, around the world that have dedicated their lives to 
helping us, even though they have no connection to Parkinson's and many of them have never met anybody with Parkinson's. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that gives me hope is when you see how COVID has rallied communities and nations and people across the world. And like, I, we're so connected as a global community. And so these, uh, this is going to sound silly, but these 50 plus organizations that we've pulled together for PD Avengers, part of being a partner is they have all promised once a year, we will form a campaign that is globally relevant and then executed locally. So we are all preaching the same thing at the same time around the world. Yeah. No more, no more silos for yeah. at least for one time a year. Now to get all those people in the room at the same time, those executives together so they could look at each other in the eye and go, yeah, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Like that is like, that, that tells me that we're, we're at the precipice of something really great. Yeah. Um, and then I just, I just, I have hope in people. People, uh, people never cease to amaze me. Um, that from my son and my wife to my family to my friends to total strangers, who reach out and just say thanks for what you do. Um, you know, it's it's you know, there's so much to be grateful for in this world, uh, and oftentimes we focus on the negative. Yeah, but the positives. Um, the silver linings of Parkinson's is I get to meet great people like you. Hmm. Well, back at you. And I, I, you know, again, just really appreciate all that you do and everything that you say and, and the connections that you help me make and, and many others make along the way. So final question for us today. Um, you know, if you could go back and say one thing to your newly diagnosed self, knowing what you know now, what, what, would, what would that be? Um, so if you want to read a big, long version of this, it's if you go to the, uh, 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 the um, Parkinson's Society of British Columbia website, I did this for, for this month. I actually wrote a letter to my, my newly diagnosed self. Um, uh, what, what I would say is um, enjoy the slowness, take in being um, at a new pace. Hmm. Um, laugh a lot, um, be curious, ask questions, don't take things at face value, don't believe your life is over because it's just beginning. Yeah, well said as, as usual. Well, Larry, thank, thank you for your time. Uh, wish we had longer, but we'll have you back uh, many times, I hope. And, and, you know, know that you're appreciated and uh, you make an impact on many people's lives, mine included, uh, in ways that, that you probably never know. But uh, keep doing this good work, my friend. And again, it's just a, a, an honor to, to know you and appreciate your time. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for all you do. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay, pal. Take care. See you. Oh, that was fun. <laughs> this is When Life Gives You Parkinson's, a Curious Cast podcast. Our story producer is Dila Velazquez, our sound design by Greg Schott. The presenting partner is Parkinson Canada. Diagnosed with Parkinson's? You're not alone. Parkinson.ca. Be sure to check out their No Matter What campaign for April's Parkinson's Awareness Month. Thanks also to our promotional partners, PD Avengers. 
a global alliance of people with Parkinson's, our partners and friends, standing together, demanding change in how the disease is seen and treated. Join now at pdavengers.com. It's free. We'll never ask you to raise money. Go there now, pdavengers.com. The Michael J. Fox Foundation Parkinson's Podcast, hosted by me, Larry Gifford, available on Apple Podcasts and at michaeljfox.org. Spotlight YOPD, the only organization in the world with a singular focus of raising awareness of young-onset Parkinson's disease. Find them at spotlightyopd.org. And the World Parkinson Congress, 2022 in Barcelona, Spain. I cannot wait. The 2021 WPC Virtual, the first ever virtual, uh, is in May. It's coming up quick. Access amazing talks, including my own, on how to have a work-life balance as a YOPD with a family and a career. Go to WPC2022.org for details. Tickets, just $25. You get a a lot of content for $25. Go ahead and register today. And thank you for listening. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to podcasts. While you're there, give the show a five-star rating and feel free to comment. You can also engage with us on social media. It's at Parkinson's Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or email us, parkinsonspod at curiouscast.ca. Keep positive, keep exercising, keep listening. We'll talk to you next time.